0: Part of TIS was this uh, DIY punk ethos of wanting to be able to support the people that are also around you that you believe in.
1: From Stockholm Studios in Bushwick, Brooklyn, this is the LPV Show, a weekly discussion from the world of photography and photo books. Here is your host, Brian Formals.
2: Well, welcome, guys. Thanks, man.
1: Thanks Thank for you. joining us.
2: We've had we've had we've had uh, dual guests before, but this is our first threesome. We're really, we're, we're kind of excited. It's not that. our first. <laughs> well, we, we think it'll be an interesting show. and we, We're excited, I mean, because you guys are doing um, a lot of interesting things. We like independent publishers a lot, and we like photo books a lot, and we like photographers a lot. So I think we hit the trifecta here. <laughs> cool, man. So I think the first thing I want to kind of start with is how was TIS born? Where did this come about, and... How did it? How did it originate? Because you, you, all three went to school together at Harford, correct? That's right. So where did this, where did this idea to to publish, uh, become publishers come about?
0: Uh, I think before we decided to become a publisher, it was mainly just a collective. We were incredibly fortunate to um, be in this low residency program where everyone is scattered across the world, but we had, um, you know, the four of us in New York City, and the fourth person, Jay Carrier. Um, and we sort of created this collective and, um, that's where this thing was sort of started. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. So how long did you go? How long were you like planning to do it before you launched? Because it looks like when you guys launched last, it was like last February that came online. It seemed like you had kind of like came out with a strategic plan. Like, here's what we're going to do. It almost feels like maybe it wasn't that planned or is it more spontaneous?
0: Well I was, sorry
3: to I you. think we talked a lot and you know we we sort of set some deadlines and we thought oh this book fair or that book fair and it just you know lives got in the way Carl had a couple kids you mm. know we, other things happen and um, so that when we finally got down to brass tacks, I think we had solved a lot of things or we knew we are pretty close to where we wanted to be. So mm-hmm. things happened really pretty quickly and efficiently and, and they were where we wanted them. So we weren't working through problems or base problems. We were just mm-hmm. working through the fine points mm-hmm. by the time we were actually publishing.
2: So how did you... You came about in the first books that you came out with. I mean, it's an impressive list of photographers who... How did you decide who you wanted to work with and reach out to and kind of approach that? Like, hey, we're these new guys on the block, we're gonna do this and like, you know, convince somebody like John Gossage to like come on board and we wanna do a book with you, you know, or you know, Steve Smith. Like, mm-hmm. how did this come about? You know, where, you know, to get these kind of like you know, names on board to be with you, like as a new publisher?
0: Well, um, you know, our first books are is the sort of four book um, set and mm. that is a sort of a self publishing endeavor where the three of us have a book um, along with Jake Carrier as our mm-hmm. fourth sort of collect um, creative collaborator. But I actually um, went to the Ryan School of Design where Steve Smith was my professor mm. and, and he and I are very close and um, I had seen a body of work of his, just a few pictures, um, of, like this is maybe five or six years back now. and. Uh, as soon as I had seen them, I knew that they had to be a book, and I knew that um, I wanted to actually publish it. So, thankfully, Carl and Tim were incredibly um, enthusiastic and psyched and loved the work, and uh, that sort of got us down the the rabbit hole with uh, waiting out the latter days.
3: Yeah, and Steve was also on the faculty of Hartford, where we all went together, so we, we knew him, we really liked him. Um but I think he was taking the leap of faith that we weren't going to mess this up, you know, that we were going to put in the time and the money and all of that kind of stuff to make a book, you know, uh, on his level because mm-hmm. the guy, you know, he's a well-respected photographer, yeah, yeah. already has a book under his, you know, under his belt. So, um, you know, it was, I think he had did a, had to take a lot of trust in the fact mm-hmm. that we would we would make it all right mm-hmm. by him. But then, you know, when you talk about, and we, you know, we will talk about how this unfolds, mm-hmm. is that we did, I never thought about this, but the gossip I mean, the, um, the the Steve Smith book became a calling card because it's so beautiful that a guy like Gossage sees it and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, okay, these dudes know what they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. or Justine Curlin sees it and she's like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. I can trust these guys. Um, so I think, you know, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it, it really became the kind of thing that opened up the world mm-hmm. to some other people.
2: And you guys kind of have a beautiful statement on, on, I think that kind of sums up your process here. And this is under your info, but this photo books, we think, grow of themselves. They are the unique, expressive, and communicative form, the offspring of a camera and a mind at work in the world to which TIS Books is dedicated. So I like that like, how the, a photo book, the ones that really kind of like hit you, do have that organic feel that they, you know, that there was a, a long process to it, or some type of process that were just it came about and it had to be a book. And I think a lot of times, and this has come up on the show a lot, it's like people feel that there's either like too many photo books or people are rushing to make photo books, and that maybe there's, you know, a glut of them these days. And it seems like that, you know, perhaps that's true, but on the other end, I think there might not be enough photo books because there's a lot of good ideas. There's a lot of stuff like sitting in the archives that are, are yet to be found. So where do you guys kind of sit on that fence? Do you kind of feel like, you know, are, are you adding just more to, you know, what's already out there? Or are you bringing something unique? Because I know there's a lot of like independent publishers coming up, groups starting this, and I'm all for it. I, lo- I love the collective idea. And in fact, when I sent out the invite, to Tim. And I said, hey, we want to have you guys come. It's like, all, all three of us come on or like, we don't come on. You know what I mean? I think I was, I was like, yes, like, that's beautiful. I like, you know, I like that collective mentality, but did you kind of go through that process in your head? It's like, what are we adding a value to the community and how are we going to like distinguish ourselves? Did, was that kind of a, a part of the conversation?
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think the two parts that we brought together, which we've already talked about, is like there's a DIY aspect, is we know that we're getting to the point where you kind of got to make things happen for yourself. Mm-hmm. But there were, we knew from Steve, you know, Nelson mentioned already knowing these pictures of Steve's. Uh, we knew. We knew. We we already got to be friends with Justine Curlin. We thought there were people who we really loved, who are heroes, friends, mm-hmm. who maybe had work that was not out there and hadn't been seen yet, or you know, had been underpublished or you know, something. So we that would that was the two parts of it. Let's do something for ourselves, but let's let's really champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we don't need another Stephen Shore book. God love him. You know, all those <laughs> kind of things. But so there are people though that that we think yeah. we could really further, and so that's that's the two parts of it. I would say. Yeah,
0: absolutely. On a from a personal perspective. Um, I actually am really tired and I hate the conversations of too many pictures or too many (laughs) photo books. Um, And for me, the only way to respond to that is actually to roll up your sleeves and do it yourself Mm -hmm. because I do believe in what we do and I feel like we have something different to offer, whether it be um, the design aspects of the book, the content itself, or the production value. I mean, all of that sort of coalesces into... Um, our own mission. So for me, it was it was make the statement with what you're making rather than just sitting in a room and complaining about seeing too many things. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I had, I was invited by John Feinstein of Humboldt Arts Foundation to, to give a buzz phrase that I wanted to see go away. And my phrase was too many. <laughs> I said, I want to see this eliminated. because it too many? And it was almost precisely... Like what you're saying, so I think we're in 100% agreement. Well, let's um, let's dig into the books here. And I want to start with um, the first little box set because that was before
0: without a box. <laughs> without a box, well, I caught a little yes. box. I mean, it, it feels like. It.
2: But um, I was talking to Tim before. I was like, I just like love the idea of this kind of like unifying right out of the door with these little, um, and I love small books. I mean, like small little handheld books. Personal books, intimate books, I think, are amazing, and to put them together in this little series, I think, is um, quite a way to kind of like kick it off. So I, I think we should dive into um, each individual book, talk a little bit about the book and the projects, and I want to start out with a house and a tree, and that's by you, Tim. Yep. And as someone who loves photographing trees <laughs> and who's been photographing a lot of houses recently, when I saw this, I was like instantly, I was like. Darn it! I'm gonna have to delete that folder out of my uh, Lightroom. <laughs> and like, no, I hope that, you don't. <laughs> that project is gone because I looked at these and it was like, I, I'm into this because it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I love trees, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think there's a lot of photographers. It's true, but you you cut this book into um, two different parts. So, can you just, just give me a little bit of background on this project and the book and and kind of what it's about? Yeah, I'm sure, sure it's about more than. Mm-hmm. A house and tree. Yeah, well,
3: <laughs> the, the, I mean, just the pragmatic genesis of it was that I was looking back through contact sheets from a long time, and I knew I'd photographed this house a lot, and I knew I'd photographed that particular mm-hmm. bend in that tree often, but I didn't realize quite how many times I'd done them. And so I was like, wow, you know, like, I was surprised myself. I was like, I was really fascinated by that, <laughs> uh, obviously. Um... And so I just, like, I yanked them out, pulled them together, I made a little PDF, and uh, we have a a good friend, Susan Lipper, who's an amazing Mm -hmm. photographer, Mm -hmm. and I I showed it to her first, and she really liked it, and I was like, all right, well, maybe there's something to this idea, Uh, and then um, showed it to, uh, Justine was one of the people, and Ray Meeks, and both of them asked if they could show it to their classes, and I was like, wow, this is all right. Uh, Basically, just wanted to show the idea that photo book could be really, really simple and didn't have to be all Mm -hmm. that complicated, but... um, for me, the, the main thing about it is just sort of, it's sort of my way of saying how, how much I love a camera, the way a camera organizes the world, uh, because that house became it felt like a Cézanne house all the time. Like every time you looked at it differently, all the angles looked different, and it looked cubist and weird and like like a different house. And that that bend in that tree, like depending on how the light was or where I was, you know, like it just looked like something entirely differently. But, but it was the camera that gave it that life for me, you know, and the, the, the way I felt about it. So. Um, I just, it's funny that it's my first little book because it's probably the most conceptually you're ever going to see me, be. Um, <laughs> yeah. so, which, but I, it's great. I love it. I'm really happy for it to be kind of the first thing that's out there. So, so
2: I'm going to go there and you don't have to answer it because mm-hmm. I know you probably don't want to, but I'm going to ask it because people are, what's the significance of the house and what's the significance of the tree? Um... The house is just one—so my dad—this mm-hmm. was back
3: during grad school. My dad and I drove around a lot working on my thesis project, and it was just a house that we passed continuously. And I'm like I said, it just the way it was built or how it was architected, I just was like fascinated, and so I just kept making these side pictures of it. And the tree is a tree that's right next to my parents' yard. It was in the neighbor's yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just always walking around the yard and taking pictures. And um, the the guy, the older—very much older gentleman there, he—, he had it cut down because he had another diseased tree in his yard and I was really sad. Um, so that tree is no longer there, but, um, I, they gave me a chip from it. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. What of the installation, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Eventually. Yeah.
2: So you never, you don't know whoever, you don't know who lived in the house.
3: No, no, not that's at all.
2: Awesome. Yeah. I, think, see, I think that's perfect. Yeah.
3: No. And I continue yeah. to photograph it. The windows are boarded over oh, now wow. and it's become even more dilapidated, but I have probably now again, another 30, 40 pictures of it. Just, that's
2: amazing, because then that can, that can evolve into another type of project. Eventually, it could, yeah. Knows?
3: I never tire of photographing things many, 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 mm-hmm. many times. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: For me, that book was always about Tim like saying hello to old friends, because mm-hmm. you know these are things that he would always see, but not all the time. And it, for me... You know, Larry Sultan had talked about photographing his father, and in the very end, he talked about how the photographs themselves became more utilitarian than mm-hmm. conceptual or art, and that he wanted to have them live forever, mm-hmm. which is, in essence, now that tree is living forever. Yeah, no, that's a nice mm-hmm. way to say it.
3: I like that.
2: It's yeah. something, because I photograph in Queens a lot, and I'll go out and you will know, hit the same path, and I'll walk past, like, one of my photographs, like, mm-hmm. just randomly. I, oh, wait, I, I know that. I've seen that as a photograph, yeah. and I... You know, I did a project in or I lived in L.A. and I shot a bunch in L.A. and I went back after like four years and I went back to a couple places where I took photographs. And just after four years of of seeing the place again, after you've looked at the photograph mm-hmm. for so many years, creates this kind of like, I don't know. That's no, a weird, second life or weird, second reality. Yeah, this weird, weird yeah, dynamic absolutely. inside your head. And I don't understand unless you're. I don't want to get very nerdy on photography, but I think it's just like this, this psychology. Uh, only photographers can kind of like understand mm-hmm. of like how the photograph works and then re-seeing something. So mm-hmm. I think something like this is kind of like speaks to that kind of like uh, idea.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you're never quite sure if you've gotten the shot, which is a humbling place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, of course. And then which ones, I mean, if, you, if you're if you going to do this, sound, like, if you had to do, like, a monograph and you had to choose the one photograph of the house, mm-hmm. which one would you choose? That's good could, at this point, could you even do it? Yeah, I mean, you know, we
3: made a little, uh, little print set. And it was easy enough mm-hmm. to pick a cool picture that you like. But um, for me, I mean, the real life, if it has any life, is in a, a sequence. So that's yeah, the way I feel about it now. But, you know.
0: I think in 30 years, if you have, like, a museum mono- <laughs> monograph, it'll be... It'll be like solo. It'll just be a grid. (laughs) could be a grid. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Something like that. Nice. So the next one we're going to hit up is Welcome Home. And this one is Nelson. Yeah. So give us a little background on this book.
0: So um, a a little background about that book, Uh, it had started started off as um, sort of B-roll shots from uh, a project that I was working on in graduate school, my thesis work. And uh, I was going up to Providence quite a bit to photograph, and I had started taking these photographs that had nothing to do with my thesis work um, that I ended up really, really enjoying. So I photographed um, in Providence again from 2011 to 2013. And I say again because I did my undergrad at the Rhode Island School of Design, and um, I had a sort of contentious Relationship with sort of the city and being there, um, just creatively, it was really um, a, a strange place for me to be creatively at that time. So I'd never made any pictures that I'd liked um, while I was mm-hmm. while I was there as like a you know snot nosed kid learning about uh, photography from people like Steve Smith or Deborah Bright. But um, I went back. I started to take these photographs, and I thought to myself that I can actually. Um, make something that I liked, um, so that's why I also titled the Welcome Home. There's sort of a little um, sort of design element with the title page going into a photograph. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was uh, a welcome home um, type of a feeling where I was able to look at this city creatively again, or for actually ex- not again, but for the first time mm-hmm. really. So I mean, it's
2: it's kind of has this. <clears throat> I have this like this, I've been shooting in Long Island, and it has this vibe too, that like that, that northeast kind of like, I don't know, has that suburban, partially broken down aspect to it, that it's not, you know, it's not completely like run down like the Bronx in the 70s, but you can tell it's like it's worn over time a little bit, you know what I mean? So how do you when you're trying to represent all of you say Providence, I mean, is this in what specific neighborhoods, how do you kind of like deal with that representation of like, this is a book about Providence, but it's clearly not representing everything about Providence. Was that not something, because obviously it's a more poetic take, right? I mean, it's not, you're not doing a social documentary project on it, but it does have those documentary aspects to it. So how do you kind of deal with that you know, problem or that
0: complication. Yeah, I, well, I, one of the ways that I deal with it is I actually don't tell you where it is, <laughs> so yeah. y- you would never know yeah. unless we had a conversation about it. But um, edit
2: that out, Tom. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, but for me, it wasn't really specifically about this mm. city, um, or it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, the most important thing wasn't about somebody looking at it saying, "Oh yeah, it's Providence, mm. Rhode Island." Um, for me, most of the the pictures are taken on sort of the 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 fringes of the city itself. Um, I mean, nice parts of town, not so nice parts of town, right in the thick of it. Um, but they're actually like some of my most favorite places to be in Providence. Some of the places I would, um, I was like a nonprofit volunteer in some of the places. Um, I mean, if you wanna know like the, the sort of structure of it, um, I would, I was teaching at the time, I was teaching on a Monday and Wednesday uh, in Hartford And on Tuesdays, RISD would have their uh, lecture series. So I would teach at Hartford on a Monday, I would drive to Providence, I would Mm -hmm. eat at my favorite restaurant, I'd go to sleep at an Airbnb or a friend's place, I'd wake up early in the morning, photograph, get lunch when the light was bad, Um, and then I would photograph in the afternoon, I would go to the lecture, have dinner with Steve, and then I would go back to teach. Mm -hmm. Like that was my rhythm for about a year Um, while making that work. And um, it was really just uh, going to like the places that I knew and that Mm -hmm, I loved. uh Um, But also, in the back of my mind, I had this thesis to work with Uh because I was still going to graduate school Uh at the time. So um, this – it actually really – I didn't really think of it as a book until I think a year after – we had left graduate school Uh where I uh went back and looked at all the pictures that were just of this place. Uh So for me it was, um, I mean, this is so cliche to say, but it was about a home, Uh you uh know, to a certain degree. So um, I think that's where a lot of my work is always sort of centrally um, focused on.
2: I don't want to dive into it quite yet. We'll get into it later in the show, but it, it does, you kind of illuminate one of the themes I'm going to want to talk about later. It's that relationship between words, statements, mm-hmm. and the photographs or the projects, mm-hmm. um, you know, and how that kind of, like, plays together. Welcome to Bushwick. Where <laughs> <laughs> you got to buzz in the <laughs> mail, man. Jeez. <laughs> Welcome to Brooklyn. But, no, I think that is in it I have a. I co- I pulled a couple of quotes from you guys' essays, but I think we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I think... It's, it's, it brings up an interesting um, interesting issue that I think we will have an interesting conversation. I know I maybe Tim will be a little embarrassed by some of the quotes, but I hope not because I think they're pretty good. <laughs> uh, but let's move on to the next book. This is Mile, and this is Carl's book. So this is we you're shooting outside Denver, right?
4: Yeah, it's all in Denver. Cool. Um, and my connection to that is I mean, we were just visiting some friends there, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like passing through. Um, I have a little thing in the back that talks about my grandfather, who I knew had passed through earlier, um, Mm -hmm. probably, you know, I guess now 100 years ago um, Mm -hmm. as a teenage hobo, basically. Um, So I just, and when I was 18 myself, when I was like a teenager, I had like passed through Denver trying to like make my way Mm -hmm. to New York. Not quite as a hobo, but like hitchhiking, um, eventually took a Greyhound. And... These pictures were done much more recently, Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a way to kind of revisit that connection I have to the place, Mm -hmm. Um, sort of transient, passing through. And those photos, I think, are you know, me literally kind of walking through that space, passing mm-hmm. through that space.
2: I'm going to read, I'll read the little passage here. Uh, when I was 19, I tried to get from San Francisco to New York by hitching rides from strangers. I made it as far as Denver, where I spent a few days before hopping on a bus for the rest of the trip. Nearly a century earlier, my grandfather left Mississippi for San Francisco at age 13, slowly making his way, clutched to the underside of passenger rail cars. He must have passed through. So, yeah, this is, I mean, the color is beautiful in this, and I like. That it's, you know, again, it's when you say it's Denver, it's not, again, like kind of what you would think when, you know, Denver pops out You're in the mountains and like the, you know, beautiful city or whatever. And that it shows this kind of like, again, kind of like your book, the outskirts or the edges of the city or the metropolis. And I think that it's something that it's an interesting theme that we've seen. We had Hinchu who was on at the first thing. He's doing this whole epic project on fringes of cities all across the globe and I've seen a lot of like photographers that are kind of interested in those areas where the metropolis kind of like stops or like slowly fades into to nature and I kind of get that sort of vibe on that like that how nature and like these ever-growing cities are trying to kind of like cohabitate in the same space and Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's definitely a, a problem an ecological problem or, you know, economic problem, but it's also photographically it just leads to these kind of like almost like perfect kind of like situations. So I guess my long way of getting to the question is like how do you kind of like you make a beautiful image of these kind of areas that are in many ways leading to kind of larger problems is that's something you guys like think about in the work whereas like you know you're making a, a beautiful object a beautiful picture but it's a really kind of problematic you could like incorporate that into like climate change same thing how do you photograph climate change and those sorts of yeah, things yeah I
4: don't, I don't think I have um, I'm definitely not trying to make comments about like climate change mm-hmm. or sort of the ecology of or you know, things like that. I I guess I don't see it as a problem Mm -hmm. in in terms of the photographs themselves, um, or like problematic areas. Um, they're just areas that are like interesting for me to, to walk around to. I think in this work, I like literally go outside the city. Um, Mm -hmm. Usually I am kind of hewing close to like an urban environment and Mm -hmm. those sort of fringe areas that you're talking about. Um, But no, I I just find them as interesting spaces. I think they're like areas that are not planned, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of urban architecture is planned. Um, And yet these things sort of come about. um, They're clearly Mm man-made, but they weren't intentional. Mm -hmm. And I just, I find those areas fascinating.
2: So when you go out to photograph, you don't have, you just kind of like start at a place and then like let your intuition and kind of like guide you, or do you kind of like, oh, I want to hit these paths and... This run I've,
4: I've long learned to just not plan, just kind of kind of go with <laughs> yeah, it absolutely. and just see what happens. Um, and we, some of you guys were talking about earlier about like when we we're talking about Tim's work, mm-hmm. you know, just something as simple as walking down a street one way and then turning around and walking yeah. back the other way is, is pretty amazing. Like it's yeah. just, the, everything just looks different just yeah. from hitting it from a different angle. Um, yeah. And I, I've learned to really enjoy that process. Getting lost. Yeah.
2: Um, on that note, I was going to say, have you ever, when you're out on a walk, and this is for all three of you, and you're going, and you're down the path, and you're going, and you're like, your intuition tells you something's over there. I have to go this way. And you spend your time, maybe it's five, ten minutes, and you get down to there, and nothing's there. <laughs> and you're like, I didn't find anything. And then you end up spending another like 30 minutes like backtracking or whatever well how do you guys kind of like because for me when I do that it's always you know what this is like one of the great lessons in photography is that you have to like you follow your intuition on this where the photograph might be but more than likely a photograph's not going to be there just as like as you're out in the world taking as many photographs how many of them are not going to work so I think like what I really like of that approach of not knowing where you're going is that it leads to this high level of failure. And it really like teaches you those lessons that unless you go to those places and follow your intuition and kind of like deal with the failure, you're not going to kind of come up with those rewards. Um, So I think there's a certain beauty to that way of working that I've I've come to appreciate in a lot of photographers.
3: For sure. I mean, I also think that if you go out looking for stuff, that's a it's probably not the way I do it, I, and I don't want to speak for Carl and, or Nelson, but that's like I tell people, I used to come back with however many rolls of film from a trip, and I'd be like, oh, I hope the picture of that worked out, and that picture, and that guy. Right. Now I come back with the same number of rolls, and I have no, I'm like, okay, so it's a bunch of houses and trees. Like I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't focus on, I don't think that there were things that were mm-hmm. caught mm-hmm. anymore. Um, so it's just a different kind of mentality, but I used yeah. to think that way. Yeah, let's get that whatever, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, I think the more times you see it, and you're like, that's the perfect picture. Like, I know I got it, and then like that's, that's likely one of the worst pictures mm-hmm. <laughs> like on the, mm-hmm. on the entire roll or on the card that you yeah. get. And you always get yeah. disappointed, but then it's the one, kind of like the one-off picture that you made without thinking, and it's like, oh, wait a minute. What happened there? How did it all yeah. come together? I don't want to, sometimes we get a little techy, and I was just looking at yours. Where are you shooting on this? Because it all looks like medium format film.
4: Yeah, it's medium format.
2: Nice. So you yeah. were? Are you shooting Mamiya?
4: No, it's a Fuji. It's like a collapsible camera, uh. and uh, <laughs> I, you know, just I love using like a as small as camera as possible, yeah. um, just sort of to be unobtrusive. And it's a great camera for that. But I just love that camera.
0: I would say though that the way that you talked about the walk, um, I would say f- I'm, I'm, for me it's not as prescribed where. Like if your starting point was A and your end point was Z Mm -hmm. that the, the picture that you wanted was at Z. Mm -hmm. For me, it's, you start at A, you may end up at Z, but Mm -hmm. B through Y is like the most important. It's when your consciousness shifts Mm -hmm. and you start to look at things that you may not have looked at before, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's, it's never so, um, it's never so, So such a blunt end, Mm -hmm. you know, it, there's never like a climax for me. It just Mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, sort of like withers and, you know, you start over again.
2: Sure. But, but, and I've been thinking about this a lot because I do a lot of walking as well too. Is like when I, when I, when I do mine and I'm out in Queens, it's like there is, I get off at a certain point and I try to walk all the way back home and it tends to be somewhere and I've gotten it down to like, my old man body can take about three and a (laughs) half, maybe four hours if I push it. I can maybe get up to 10 miles, right? Like not too shabby for a 40-year-old guy, Mm -hmm. I don't think. Paying for it the next day, but it's good, right? So, you know, there is, and you're right, in between, I don't know exactly which routes I'm going to be taking, but I do, you know, I know I'm going from this train station back home. And, like, I could take, like, a huge detour, but then it might be seven hours. And I don't know if I could deal with that. So I I do think like, like creating kind of like those, the two points and kind of understanding like that journey kind of like allows you to create that space. But I definitely agree that like that change in consciousness happens like at some midpoint through and I, I call it I say I don't really start photographing until I get into the shit. And it means like I'm I'm my feet are hurting a little bit. I'm getting a little tired of taking pictures, but I'm out here and I'm working and it feels like work and I gotta make pictures. And it's like, I don't know, I, I maybe I'm a little bit of a masochist, but I feel like when there's a little bit of pain into the process is when you kind of like I don't know, something something physical changes within you in the way you're looking out into the world. And it, it, it sharpens your perception. Yeah, and we've talked about this in other episodes, and it's almost like something you can't describe in words. It's like you know, it's it's, it's a psychological experience. You know,
3: yeah. No, I do think there's a point where you do think you're working, and that's a, that you know, it's very different from just like if you're at your niece's softball game and you might take a picture. You know, like it, but you've set aside mental time to be working, and you know, whether that is pain of walking or just being tired or like it's raining or I don't know whatever. But um, you know, it, it's definitely feels a different mental space. I'm, I want to make pictures.
2: Yeah. And I and. think like carving out we've, again, talked about this, like carving out that space where you have it, where it's like, I'm just out here and I am with this full intent to make pictures mm-hmm. and to like compose pictures and think about these different things is like, it does again, it, again, it changes the way you work. And I think like, you know, having that time in that space is really kind of allows it to happen. And it's unfortunately, cause I don't, it seems like in our world today that we don't, value like that type of creativity of like you know mm-hmm. kind of like the roaming and figuring it out where everything is so kind of calculated but sure. we're probably not going to solve the modern <laughs> economy on this
0: podcast. When we were in graduate school uh, we had worked with Tomas Vesky and he said something really funny that um, within, the, within the curator world um, there's sort of an inside joke and they had said that painters have great ideas and photographers have great shoes (laughs) and it's purely because we're in a walking medium. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, I love that. It's
2: awesome. So we want to get to the fourth book and this guy, I mean, I have his, um, his breakthrough book, Jake Harrier, Mm -hmm. amazing photographer. Um, you know, I was really surprised by this book, and I think he's the type of photographer that will surprise you. So how did this, since he's not here, how can you guys kind of describe what's going on in this little book? And it's just called Volume 1? Is that what he's calling it? Yeah. It has cool. no so, name, really. No yeah. name, okay.
0: no title, yeah. So um, I think from just talking to us, you sort of gleaned uh, maybe a little bit about why we were at these places. Mm-hmm. And so for Jay... Um, that uh, that book, um, all of the pictures were made on this plot of land that um, uh, that his family owns in New England, mm-hmm. and his family lives on. And uh, he goes and visits there with his wife and his twins. And um, for him, it's uh, you know, I'm I'm I'm. It's weird that I'm speaking um, for him, but mm-hmm. my own interpretation is yeah. that it's a it's a it's a way for him to sort of like trans like transport himself out of this world of mm-hmm. chaotic Brooklyn. And, um, and think of another, another, another part of his life.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seemed dagger seemed to me. Um, so what's it like, you, you said he's, is he a full member of the collective or is he? Oh, a, absolutely, oh, it's oh, the four oh. of
3: us. Uh, we kind of have a different naming scheme. Sk- so the collective is, this is Sausage, mm. and you'll see so, you know, like the, the Tumblr and stuff is, is identified that way, and so that's mm. the four of us. TIS Books is sort of the more dignified name of ah, you know, right, the, right, the, right. the
0: publishing imprint, nice, uh, nice. but it's
3: just shortened for it, yes.
0: Cool. Yeah, so TISO one, um, this set is something that we plan on carrying through for however long we <laughs> end yeah. up doing this. So TISO two will, you know, hopefully shortly follow, and that's when the four of us sit down and start talking about um, making these books again. So, mm. um, you know, when Carl was talking about a mile uh, or mile, um, he talked about how it was him passing through. Um, for us, this project, it we're we're taking risks um, with our own work. We're, Mm. you know, these books we don't think have to be sort of belabored over, or um, they have to be good, of course, Mm -hmm. the content has to be strong, but we're okay with spending three months to three years, um, you know, making that content and Mm -hmm. it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. So we want this to be uh, more intuitive and um, frenetic because, it shouldn't be sort of arduous and drawn mm-hmm. out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So do you, I mean, is there, is this something you're going to discuss like a theme for the next one? Or is it just kind of like, here's what I have to present and here's like how, you know, I want to do like this, is my contribution to it and maybe wildly different or is it something you... Uh,
4: I don't think we have like a theme per se. Like mm-hmm. I, that's, I feel like we have enough in common mm-hmm. um, where it sort of naturally comes about and... You know, yeah, we want to make it feel like the four books right. belong together, but we, I think we're feeling like that just happens on its own. Mm. Um, what yeah. about
2: what about like mixing your photos together? Has it ever come up?
3: Not yet, but I mean, I I've always thought that three or four down the road, we're gonna go, we're gonna want to bust out of something, mm. and you know,
2: because that thing, I I don't know. I mean, to me, like something that I'm always curious is like I want to get into other people's archives, like I want to see, mm. and it seems like if you're working this closely together to like. Let me see what you got, like hiding in there, because it, you have a lot of these projects. You, know, you have a brilliant one here, *See Swimming Book*, that mm-hmm. kind of like is born out of out of archives. And sometimes another one, good one, is that just coming out was um, Bill Yates, the ro- uh, roller skate, like mm-hmm. that one too. I mean, there's just countless ones that are coming out. And I, I always think, like, you know, m- maybe photographers always thought about their archives and what's there, but I don't know. I think like. These days, you got to kind of consciously like think about like what's there and like is there value there? Is there you know should I be sharing that? Can we be sharing that? How many you know can we put out into the world? Again, like mm-hmm. I'm all for like if you have the impulse to share something that you want it out in the world, you should put it out there. Like you know, be damned if people are gonna say too many. It's like you're yeah. an artist an artist's job is to like make art, you know? But I'm just kind of curious, because that would be my inclination. It's like, let me see your archives and see what I can kind of like dig out from what you've got. Is that kind of like, have you had a conversation? I think that? we'd be open to any idea. Yeah, if yeah.
3: somebody wanted to come in and edit my book um, and make a book that I've never touched, I, I don't know if I, could, if I would give up the control, but it sounds fun, you know, like <laughs> why not? Or like any kind of idea yeah. that I think we can, to juice it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we can still, we can work several editions in sort of this manner and be very fulfilled and satisfied before we need to like maybe start Mm -hmm. messing up the formula too much, Mm -hmm.
0: but who knows? Mm -hmm. I think, a, I mean, I think a part of uh, how we feel about books is, you know, we, we edit our own work. It's a part of our Mm -hmm. process. It's like writing. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, you know, I feel like we, we do that so well that we also help the artists that we work with with editing And, um, you know, you're talking about Bill Yates' work. I mean, he photographed that roller skating stuff um, after he had graduated from RISD in the, I think, late 60s, Mm -hmm. early 70s. -hmm. But then put it in his, like, in a box in the basement. I think a part of of his lore is they're great photographs, but it's also a sense of discovery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I, like, grab one of Carl's hard drives and, like, start looking through, I'm not going to, like... I'm not going to feel like I hit the jackpot probably, you know, it's like, it's like the world we live yeah. in, you know, yeah. um, there isn't this sort of the like curing process that has mm-hmm. happened prior. Um, but, uh, I do think that there are really interesting possibilities of how we can sort of mess up with our own, mm-hmm. with our own process, really mm-hmm. sort of like throw a monkey wrench in. Um,
4: but yeah, I don't know if we were, we're at that point yet, but, I mean, yeah, and like Nelson was saying earlier, like we we sort of see the TIS series as something we don't want to overthink too much, and like yeah. sort of like one edition at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see what happens, but at least with this next one, it's probably not going to be the the archive process. <laughs> yeah, it pro-
0: yeah, it probably won't be. But um, I mean, we we're gonna, you know, we are actually going to have a conversation about that, <laughs> the four of us, very very yeah. soon. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because we, we, we have been around for a year now and we want um, that second set to be out. Yeah, and I mean, just as a plug, SO one is com- almost completely sold out, um, yeah. which we're really happy about, but um, yeah. So it, well, th- we want to remain that sort of collective and creative process. What was the addition? Uh, 300. 300.
2: Let's like, dig into um, Stephen B. Smith, Waiting Out the Latter Days. So we talked about it a little bit, and we, when we were photographing this book, it was like, again, one of those, like, I'd have to stop like every few pages and just be like, wow, man. And it's very You know, he's working in, you know, uh, you know, that kind of, like, great, kind of, like, candid 28-millimeter lens, like, <laughs> get up close, like, you know, beautiful caught moments. Um so if I understand it, didn't he go out and sh- he shot more photos again, like um, like recently, right? So it's a, it's a combination of the old photos and the new photos, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll probably talk m- for um, a bit about this book because okay. um, I worked so closely with Steve um, on it um, to give you a full background of the work. I mean, Steve's Steve's work is um, known for amazing, amazing um, sort of. Uh, ironic, but formerly incredibly strong um, suburban landscapes of of the West, um, Utah, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. um, And he'd always talked about how those pictures are pictures of people without people in them. Mm -hmm. And the way that I ever described his work, either to my own students now or other friends (laughs) who don't know his work, I always think that Steve had sort of picked up the mantle of the new topographics and then like put a really sharp wit of, like win a grand in his work, and um, that's important because Steve started off taking pictures of people. Mm-hmm. This book uh, sort of chronicles a large part of the beginnings to um, him becoming a photographer, and a handful of these pictures were actually used to um, to help get him into Yale for graduate school mm. um, in the '80s. So. He and, I had, uh, he and I had sat down and we talked about, you know, maybe putting this book together. This is when Carl, Tim and I had really decided that we're going to get TIS books off the ground. And um, Steve had made a handful of prints and I drove up the Providence and we had sort of like put down an initial 25 or 30 image edit. And we were like, oh, you know what? there's a few holes here. Let's, you know, let's see. Um, let's see what happens if you photograph for like another couple of years, <laughs> <This is> 2013. <laughs> yeah. And so um, Steve was like, yeah, definitely. Let's, you know, he's like, I'm going back out there. I've been sort of like playing around with mm-hmm. black and white 35 millimeter again. He was traditionally a large format black and white um, photographer. Mm-hmm. And this was really, um, he talked about how going back out there in 2013 14 He was sort of um, asking questions um, that he needed answered that he had been like um, not struggling with, but sort of grappling with and living with for you know a few decades now, Um, and uh, and that's um, how the book came about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two years after we had looked at, um, we had actually Carl, Tim, and I had set a deadline of when we need the the book done, Mm -hmm. and Steve and I just sort of went to work with looking through um everything from everything from everything from like the the mid 80s to you know 2014 Mm -hmm. so but when we were sequencing the book we had tried to make it um so that you couldn't almost tell like when the pictures were were Mm -hmm. done for us it really wasn't about Mm -hmm. being able to say like oh that was done in like 1986 or that was done in like 2013. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. there's definitely a yeah. time capsule period yeah. of this. I and mean, we we're talking about the sort of um, the Bill Yates stuff. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a little bit of that curing process within this work for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but we like we think that they're just amazing pictures. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was interesting because, uh, you know, um, we had print this in the United States and the press, they're uh, incredible craftsmen and some some of the the pressmen, or the, even the owner, they're photographers and traditional photographers. Um, but it was funny because we had a contemporary voice of how we wanted this book to be, and this maybe goes into like our mission of um, of bookmakers and like the pressmen who are like kind of amazing. We're in awe of what they do every day, and they're like, "Why is this one picture on the left, but there's nothing on the right?" Uh, like they were uh, like, uh-huh. they asked us in a way. Uh, they thought that we had made a mistake. Mm. They didn't want to make the plate, um, you know, uh, before we would confirmed like that was no, no, no. Uh. It's, it's a flow, and they were like, what?
2: <laughs> so. nice. nice, that's awesome. Yeah, I can't. When I was paging through it, I didn't, I didn't have any idea where, you know. Ooh, I couldn't tell, I didn't really like, nothing stuck out to me. And I was going to ask, I was like, wait, but you kind of answered the question. And the reception to this has been great. Like, it's been amazing. Like, I remember seeing, you know, reviews of it and what have you. And it's been like very positive.
0: Has it sold out? It is not sold out. I think oh, there's yeah. about, um, it's it's over a quarter sold out for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been selling um, quite a bit of them. And I mean, it's, it's, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of, mm-hmm. being able to, to, um, put this out, um, for someone that that has changed my life, um, to a very large degree. So, and I mean, the reception we think is great. And it's also, I mean, I love putting out work that's that old and like goes back to like pure photography in a way, Mm -hmm, mm you know? So cool.
2: So next one, this guy's kind of a legendary photographer, uh, John Gossage. And this one is a dozen failures. (laughs) <laughs> and I had to ask right away, I looked through it, is this actually a dozen and no, it's not a dozen. So we can kind of get into that a little bit. How did this how did this one come about? Uh
3: well, so a good friend of ours, Justine Curland, who was uh, on the faculty at Hartford and become a good friend, um, she introduced us to John, uh, and she kind of planted a seed. She's like, You should see what these guys do, you know, you should do a book with them. And um so we we were in contact, and um I just kind of said, "You got anything you're working on?" And he's like, "Well, I've got this idea um that I've been going through um not sure if it'll lead anywhere, but I think it might you know it could be something fun and he's like, "I call it you know the the my the the failures of John Gossage mm-hmm. and, uh, right away we thought oh that sounds that sounds pretty good um, so uh he said, well let me you know i I'm, I'm working on some stuff uh let me get back to you you know and so I pressed him again, I, you know, sent a couple emails and said, hey, and he, uh, he actually asked me to, to, um, kind of be a guest at a, a course that he taught at Aperture. And so what he did is he brought a PDF, I uh, hadn't seen anything yet. And he sort of in front of the class pitched his book to me as if, you because know, <laughs> he thought it would be really funny. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I was like, I, th- I was like, well, I think we can, we can work this into our schedule, you know, mm-hmm. and once I saw it. So, um. Again, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, I think, you know, he saw that we were serious bookmakers and that, you know, we were, obviously, that we could, especially, you know, he, his interest being in black and white in this book and, and probably for the, you know, 75% of his career, he wanted it to be printed really well. And, yeah. and so, and he said really nice things right at the beginning. He's like, I know you guys are small. He's like, we're going to design this and make this so that it's it's not an extravagantly expensive, like, you know, he has these books that are made in Italy and they cost $150. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. knew that that was not what we were going to do mm-hmm. or what could do. So, um... He just had a sense of where we were and what, what might be kind of fun. And, mm-hmm. you know, he likes making books. Yeah. He's a guy, many, he, a guy who likes like, making how, books. How many know? has he
2: made? I mean, he's got to be.
3: I have at least 20 in my collection, I <laughs> think. <laughs> Holy crap. And there's some that I don't have. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be at least 20, right? But, you know, if, uh, more, right? Probably more. Depending on how, you know. He,
0: yeah, he's one of those artists that, like, his goal is to have a whole bookshelf mm-hmm. like, of his own titles, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Well, we just were talking about Iraqi
2: last week, and like, he's got thousands, or you can't even count yeah. how many books he's got out there. Right. And I know, right. I know Gossage is the same way. Yeah. No, I think that's cool. I mean, to get somebody like that. like, Well, and also, he's one of
3: those guys who works with different presses often. Mm-hmm. So there's an Israeli books, there's Loose Strife books, there's uh, Super Labo books, that, you know. So um, I think he likes, you know, spreading the love around. Yeah.
2: No, I think it's smart. You get, I mean, different interpretations, different creative energy. I mean, I think that's. To me, like that's sign of uh, the brilliance, you know? Yeah,
3: yeah,
0: yeah. So the next one we wanna talk about. Well, um, just uh, also to mm-hmm. back, backtrack to John, uh, one of the things that um, he had said on press, uh, so he gave us these silver prints that I had scanned that Carl worked on um, to create the pre-press files. Mm-hmm. And uh, the press um, asked John, "Hey, listen, um, you know, we think we got these files pretty tuned to what you'd like, um, but do you have the silver prints so that we can maybe like reference them and, and look to see if uh, they're uh, what you want?" And then John's response was, "He's like, the prints are the prints, the book is a book, the book is completely different, um, and." You know, John is at this sort of like really great um, place in his career. I mean, it's a, you know, he's a creative wonder and this is a bit of a privilege, but he has the ability to say like, I'll know it's good when it comes off the press. But for all of us, it's like, no, no, we know it's good when it comes out of the Epson. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. You know? Um,
0: so like, that's like, that was, that's, that's John's whole sort of ethos, which is great because he's able to, to do that. And mm-hmm. I mean, for us to work with him was, was, I mean, it was a great learning experience for us. Um, but I mean, Tim's idea of sort of like sharing the love, like John is, he's, he's actually like the most enthusiastic photographer yeah. and artist I've ever met. Like, and it was so inspiring, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of incredible, um, so, yeah, like for him, like the medium is, is the book and he mm. means that in like yeah. every every possible way, like from the commercial sense to, you I, know.
3: I tell people if the pond didn't exist, I don't know that the, we would exist in the way that we do, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, right now. So. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, a <clears throat> whole generation of photographers mm-hmm. probably wouldn't exist right. way they do. I mean, it's one of those seminal books. Yeah. So the next one we have, we want to look at, it's called Black Threads from Ming Chao. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. And it's John Yao and Justine Curlin. That's right. So we want to discuss this book a little bit. And so how did this one come about? I know you guys, you said you, you've you mentioned a few times that you're really good friends with uh, Justine Curlin. So just give us a little bit of a synopsis on on this book.
3: Yeah, so the, the quick story, um, and mm-hmm. this, this is no secret. So we had, um, she had been photographing she's famous for large format photographs mm-hmm. uh, mostly of the west and, and, and sort of some constructed photographs um, but uh, part of her big uh, uh, process is that her son travels with her um, and so he's had a big impact on um, like if he didn't want to go somewhere she was stuck or if he did want to do something and she didn't want to do it you know, and then she had to follow him Anyway, so it had been a big part of her work, and she'd made a lot of color photographs of him. Just, you know, iPhone recently, but, um, you know, 35 mil, some, and some 4x5, and all that kind of stuff. So, she has a a book coming out, uh, a mid-career retrospective with Aperture. I think it's going to be on their fall catalog now. Um, But we kind of thought, oh, there'd be this cool... Book that would go along with it about Casper, which uh-huh. is the name of her son, uh-huh. uh, and how he's influenced this, and it would be separate, uh, but you know, kind of a companion to the the bigger aperture book. Aperture felt, and I think reasonably so, that um, that it would be it would uh, it would kind of confuse people to have a second book out at the same time, same kind of work and everything. So that made sense. That was cool, um, you know. We uh, but so Justine says, "Well, I've been doing some other things too," and we're like, "Oh yeah, tell us." And <laughs> so she's, i have been shooting an interior." Uh, with my digital and I've been going back and forth with he's kind of a downtown legend John mm-hmm. Yao I mean he has mm-hmm. uh, probably at least 20 or 30 chapbooks out you know mm-hmm. or more she said you know uh, he um, he had undergone two knee surgeries and so he was feeling like really cooped up she was feeling cooped up because it was more like the wintertime. she wasn't traveling her son is with her full time so they were—they had the kind of same kind of feelings of being a little bit trapped—and um, so they were. She would make a couple pictures. He was writing fragments of poems, and they were really going back and forth. It wasn't anybody. She didn't show him thirty pictures and be like, "Write on this." Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he, you know, he didn't do. Nor did he do the same thing. So it was a really sort of circular. So and I think it really shows in the pictures and the and the um, the poems being so intimately linked. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we were, we were like, wow, you know, we get to show this side that nobody has ever seen in any of her books um, or any of her gallery shows ever mm-hmm. before, uh, mm-hmm. and, and a different kind of w- um, way of working and an, and an interiority that's never, that she's never mm-hmm. shown before. So it was mm-hmm. pretty thrilling. hmm
2: Cool. I think like, it's interesting that you have this theme of like, the three photographers you like sh- showing like these different angles to their work like that we, you haven't seen. Do you think that is that kind of like a theme where you're running through with how you're going to work with photographers? Are you going to try to show different aspects of their work? Or do you foresee that maybe you'll do like the big blockbuster kind of like banging 2000 edition kind of thing if you discover someone? Or do you want to stay kind of at that level where you're maybe giving... Photographers kind of a different outlet to show a different you know aspect of their work. Cause that's kind of like again, like you almost stated it perfectly. That's a vibe I got from this as well, too.
0: Um, so you know, I feel like when you look at these, I, I love the fact that you're sort of pulling out the idea that, or the fact that all of this all of the work that's shown the content is of an artist's process. Uh-huh. And I mean for us, like when we started TIS didn't exist it was called this is sausage and for us sausage was this idea of process whether it's our own or other artists that um, we admired or were working with I mean that's also part of the MFA mindset and bubble you know um, you're always so into the idea of process and for us you know this goes back to what Tim was saying about wanting to f- publish other artists um, who may be sort of uh, underpublished or works by other artists um, that is not sort of widely seen. So, uh, even though I feel like it's a part of our mission, mm-hmm. I do think that um, I mean we want to grow as 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 best as big as we can, right. or as you know manageable as we as we, mm-hmm. as, we as we can be. So. Um, would we want that blockbuster? Hell yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, well, I mean, you can still, so, like, but you see yourself setting up different
2: programs because a lot of publishers will have, you know, their different programs or different type of books, and you start to build out, you know, those different programs. You kind of see yourself going down that. It's like, you know, you have the, you know, the TAS, you know, volume one, and then you can do this. So do you are you, you going to be that kind of, like, strategic about it, or do you think it's going to happen more, like, organic and, like, book by book, project by project, and then it'll slowly kind of like develop itself.
0: Well, I feel like, um, I feel like we're trying to get as strategic as possible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we have, we have like business meetings all the time about, <laughs> about how to sort of strategically build, um, our brand and what we mm-hmm. do. Um, I feel like, I feel like there could be like a happy, um, happy marriage between being organic and strategic yeah. for <clears> sure. Um, because part of that organic process is also, um, you know, we all have separate networks of people that we um, work with or know, um, which means that we'll be bringing work that, you know, none of us mm-hmm. has ever seen before and have a discussion of like, oh, should we maybe possibly think about working with this person or mm-hmm. that person or whatnot? But also like the blockbuster, like what does that actually mean in today's mm-hmm. world? Right. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 absolutely. John's book is the largest print run that we had done at mm-hmm. 700. Mm-hmm. Like... You know, if all 700 of them sell, amazing. Was that a blockbuster? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe on eBay or mm-hmm. Amazon or whatever. But yeah, I mean, for us, um, you know, we're we know that it's sort of fashionable to be like in the photography book world, but we're we're not interested in fashion. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I I was watching an episode of. <clears throat> Um, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, and he had all these writers from Mississippi together, and he asked one of the writers, he's like, so do you guys ever get competitive against each other? Like, you you know, like all these writers, it's a kind of market, and like, you're gonna go after and try to take each other down? And it's like, the guy just laughed, he's like, no, why would we do that? The mm. stakes are so low, like, oh, yeah. what's the point? Like, yeah. we're just all friends, and we're like supporting each other, we want everyone to go out there, he's like that. And I was like, you know what, that like rings like such a true bell for mm. photography, is like, I think, you know, anyone who's out there kind of putting in the hard work into it and the ambition. And I think there's room for for everyone to kind of, like, find their place. Yeah. But I just thought that was just a great, you know, the stakes are so low. I, yeah, I could, yeah. But it's the same thing. It's like, yes, if you're, you know, the Alex Sosa of the world and you're, you know, having huge shows. And, like, the guy's still hustling, like, mad. I mm-hmm. mean, he's on Snapchat. He's, like, trying everything yeah. out. He's not, it's not like he's, like you know, taking it easy. No, know.
3: I mean, we're not Coke and Pepsi. If somebody buys our book, they're not going to not buy somebody else's. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Like it's,
2: yeah, you know, exactly.
0: But it's also, I mean, we're being a part of the sort of book fair world and mm-hmm. book fair circuit. And like we've, we've, it, we've sort of put ourselves into this culture where we see people on a, you know, a, a annually basis or a biannually basis. And I mean, we're also buying each other's yeah. books because it's our good, but because Mm -hmm. we're also trying to be supportive as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a a wonderful, a wonderful place.
2: Well, I mean, it does bring up an interesting question about, obviously, about audience. Is it like a very insular audience? And, you know,
0: you're really just... 700 books.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. we are buying each other's books. But I wanted to, and like I said, I told Tim before, you know, we were talking before that I'd spent the last few days digging into the blog and reading a lot of his wonderful essays um, and I think it's I think it's very interesting that you you know you've kind of used this as a platform to do mm-hmm. all this writing and it's a lot of writing mm-hmm. in the last year I mean it is I've I've write and I've tried to write and I've given up writing and when I see this is like, how, how can this guy write all this stuff? <laughs> it's it's like so much. So what I role, so. and <clears throat> this is the interesting thing too, because one of the overarching themes that I kind of get from the writing and from, you know, speaking to you guys about the books is that this tenuous relationship with words and photographs. I've talked about it for, you know, many, many years, with a lot of different people, like that relationship, how sometimes it can go drastically wrong. Sometimes it works Mm -hmm. beautifully. We just saw an example where the poetry and the images work, you know, precisely. The other day I just shared, you know, a set of photographs. I love the photographs. And then I get to the statement and I I could not decipher what was going on here because the person clearly was writing, you know, put a bunch of words into the MFA Mm -hmm. like internet machine. And it spit out this thing that, you know, unless you have you know, three MFAs, like you're not going to be able to understand what they're yeah. talking about. And I have a passage um, from one of the essays, and I hope I'm, because you end up quoting a lot of people. I do, so, yes. So maybe I, I hopefully attribute this to you. <laughs> um, so, This is to accommodate the growing number of artists and the multifarious activities now loosely described as art distinctions necessary to intelligent discussion have been obliterated in the vast accumulation of conflicting opinion. There is one unifying element. All of it is in words. The artwork no longer speaks for itself. It is ironic to think as words flow that the photograph was once thought to speak in more concrete, less abstract language. The slogan was that it was better than a thousand words thousands upon thousands of words now encumber a quantity of photographs the This flowering of writing about photography, much of it readable, informative, and innovative, is the latest example of the current cultural mania to transform one thing into another and eventually into words. To reside in one thing or another appears to be impossible. On the evidence, the thing itself, the person, the object, the painting, the book, the music, the sunset, the operation exists primarily as a point of departure, a launching pad from which we take off into an orbit of our own. Photographs, Photographs of all things were once believed to offer a point of resolution. They offered a stop in the flow of time as well as in the endless stream of our responses. The observer looked. The photograph soberly returned the gaze. The ambiguity that is natural to the photograph lends itself to conflicting interpretations. But if the viewer's first impression is not the viewer's own, he or she may never come to have one that is. Yeah. So I read that and it made me think that, you know, here we are doing a podcast and it's like more words and words and words, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I'm just kind of curious. Can you like comment a little bit about this relationship sure. of like words and photography and
3: well, the quote's really awesome, but unfortunately it's Wright Morris, uh, who wrote that. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I think, you know, uh, well, so I think part of your first question was, lit, it was sort of in, in a strategic way or when we were getting together, we said, you know, we want to start to build an audience even before we got the books out. And we, you know, we were had some community ideas and um, basically Carl once said, would you start writing down all the stuff you talk about when we have beers? You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, and so I was like, yeah. yeah, like why not? So, and we've had a few guest writers, which is really awesome. So, uh-huh. you know, trying to build this more community thing and it was just to start to build an audience so that we can, you know, share with them kind of our vision uh, but yes, so I don't see myself as a writer about photography. And we talked a little bit about uh-huh, this earlier, uh-huh. but like, I am so interested in, in sports and science and music and films and all these other kind of things and how they intersect and how all these things like, you know, we, each person brings an individuality into making pictures based on all of these life experiences that include a lot of those things. And that's where I'm interested in all those things coming, coming together. So I, you know, I just did, I was, uh, I had a very nice opportunity to write a book review for Aperture. It was a great experience. I would certainly do it again. I don't know if it's my natural thing, though, you know, to, to expound upon a particular book because it's not the, really the way I think about things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and the too many words things. I mean, you know, like, uh, I do, you know, like, I do, I, there's so many picture, photo books that I love that don't have, that have no words in them, you mm-hmm. know, and I just think that's the thing, you know, um, and... I think we're very careful about working with our artists you know to keep the, the copy to the absolute minimum that has to be there to add to the work and not to be the work. Mm-hmm. Maybe as, as, I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but. Um, but, yeah, no, we, we think about that all the time when we're creating the books. So.
2: I think a great example is Lago, Ron Jude. Just think if you would have put that little statement at the beginning rather than at the end of the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the little statement that he has at the, at the end just kind of like seals the deal. You yeah. Know? But like if you if would have had some long kind of like exposition about like that book, it would it, – could have like completely destroyed it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then without it, you, you're left with this beautiful kind of like enigmatic kind yeah. of like uh, narrative.
3: Well, I once had a conversation with Christian Patterson about the the statement for uh, Red of Peckerwood is in, uh, you know, can fall out. And I said, "That's really clever. That's intentional, right?" And he was like, "I would love it if it fell out. You know, I, I mean, you know, maybe putting slight words in his mouth, yeah. but he, I think that was absolutely by design. That to, to really show that this is ancillary, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and if it's gone, it's gone. The book is still the book. Right. You know? So. Right. Yeah."
2: I have another one for you. Me. I mean, yeah, I have like four or five of them. That one I I, hope I, wrote was, one I wasn't sure like sometimes I know I was I've been battling an illness this week mm. so like I'm in a haze and like, right. my yeah. attribution gets a little shaky. <laughs> we don't we need we need a copy editor on the podcast. But I think it is interesting too because I I decided to give up not writing anymore just because it was such a pain in the ass and mm. I didn't like doing it and I was like if I'm going to if I'm going to put words out in to the world about photography, I want it to be in this dialogue and mm-hmm. I want it to be in this kind of conversational way because when it me it's writing, it's like, it feels like it's me against myself. If it's mm-hmm. like in this kind of dialogue, it's like people are adding to the conversation. They're pulling yeah. stuff out of me and it becomes, becomes more of a collaborative, you know, experience rather than me trying to make a point out into the world. So I don't, mm-hmm. I think I feel odd kind of like, oh words, well, here we are again. yeah, yeah, yeah. adding more more words. But I really like yeah. this one too, and this is on boring because I think yeah. I'm a big fan of boring, too. And right. I think. that I, I thought about this soon. I'll give you my little my little right. anecdote then. Okay. So for the past several years, I have been primarily attracted to works of art in which, on the surface, nothing much really happens. I haven't experienced any action adventure movies or books for a long time, and the bands I see don't hardly play guitar solos or have much beyond basic lighting and stage design. Which, don't get me wrong, I'm not arguing against the, the eventful. I probably am missing out not having seen any of the recent Batman films, but I am finding myself more deeply satisfied by the uneventful. I wish marilyn robinson would write fiction more often but i can very happily reread her four books um, multiple times all while hearing from friends that they just couldn't get into um, housekeeping which is by far her novel with the most action this fall i was absolutely hooked on nothing really happening in the first volume of carl of nosgaard's my struggle and i couldn't be more delighted that there are more than three thousand pages in five books still awaiting me and like half of them not even translated yet So like, I love the boring, I love Mm -hmm. it, and I, you know, to me, it's like, I try not to say boring because it has kind Yeah, kind of yeah. I say, I try to like say subtle, to try yeah. to like change the language. But it is, it's more of those this, the spaces in between the action or the big events, you know. And it, to me, maybe I think that's why sometimes on the fine art side, you distinguish yourself from maybe social documentary or photojournalism. It's like they're there for, photojournalism's there for the events, for the things that are happening right in front of you. Mm-hmm. You know, social documentaries there for like those, you know, the, the pressing political things right in front of you. And fine art, photography with this kind of docu-narrative thing can kind of like find those little spaces and crevices and and show us something else. And I really love that. And I love that in kind of like all aspects of culture. And I think it's one of the beautiful things that has arisen in internet culture is that all these other things have seeped up from the ground that have probably always been there, but just haven't been, haven't had the, you know, the place to be expressed. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing now is that like, you might have an amazing band that has only like 3,000 followers, but man, those 3,000 followers are like so diehard. And like yeah, yeah. for that band who are their day job are graphic designers, but they're rocking and I mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, kind of like their livelihood or for yeah. a person who works in marketing and has a podcast on the weekend. You know what I mean? Right, it's right. their thing. So
3: um, yeah, I mean, when I the boring thing, you know, like I thought I I would want to take that word back and make boring, boring a badge of honor yeah, or something. Yeah, and yeah. I think my thinking, you know, that has developed or has gotten a finer point mm-hmm. where I think that a lot of pictures and a lot of things, you know, they they are descriptive of an experience, which is an awesome thing. I mean, mm-hmm. to describe mm-hmm. an experience. But I'm more interested. And I've gotten the idea of that that. I really love pictures that embody an experience, and I think that some people sort of use that as a difference almost between prose and fiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, p- prose and poetry is that like the poetry is not meant to describe anything, but to to put you in that feeling and that space. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I could say that the, the pond is a, is a book that doesn't describe much of anything, mm-hmm. but rather it evokes feeling or embodies a feeling. And it's a bo- you know like it, it's on its surface, it's a yeah. boring book. Yeah. Or the you know you can name five Robert Adams books where again he, he's at, but Robert Adams also has descriptive books like mm-hmm. the Denver book those are, I think he's telling you about something. Whereas like, you know, Cottonwoods or Notes for an Overcast Day, he's getting into a feeling and not describing things. Right. And so I, I think I would maybe even put a finer point if I rewrite that essay or, or read, you know, like I was f- also like, I use the term essay and it's classic verb, which yeah. is just to fig- start to figure stuff out. I don't think any of this would ever be peer reviewed or journal appropriate, right, you know, because right. there's holes in there, you know, like yeah. I'm figuring shit yeah. out. So I would like to rewrite essays okay. maybe or just addend to them or, you know, that kind of thing. But um, no,
2: I think that's a very interesting idea. I mean, that's part of internet writing too. And I, I don't like, again, I don't want to say the stakes are high, but I mean, they are low. But like, I don't think you're going to, somebody's going to come out and yeah, kind yeah. of like, I don't, it, it kind of happened in the early days of blogging where there would be this back and forth dialogue. You don't see it so much these days. You know, every once in a while, um, your Goldberg will write an essay and that'll kind of like ruffle some feathers yeah. and people will kind of have comments on it. But it doesn't, it doesn't seem to It has drastically kind of, like, died down, at least from what I noticed. And even, like, diving into any controversies of the day, I was like, I would go back and look back at some of the stuff I commented on. I was like, why did I waste my time (laughs) getting it, writing, like, 2,000 words on this kind of petty thing? It doesn't have any, like, long-lasting value. So the type of writing that I really want is, like, something that's going to, like, extend. It has a long time. Something I'm going to go back, I would want to read 10 years from now, you know what I mean, that has... Like you know, blo- like a
3: one le- like little interesting it. side note. I there's very few people comment on the website, but I get a lot of emails um, via Facebook or something. So I, whether our audience is not in that flaming comment kind of thing, <laughs> yeah. and they just rather do it personally, oh, I, yeah. I like it. I think I like it better that way. Uh, you know, but oh, those uh,
2: people get like private Facebook messages. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, cool. it's yeah. Maybe I think that thing that's probably like a lot of people want to protect themselves online because yeah. you know you have an opinion and you know, sometimes that can yeah. get you in trouble every now and then. Or yeah. Create the wrong impression. Yeah. I don't think you've gotten yourself in trouble. No. Yeah, I, I, mean, I don't right. think, I, think, I, don't think I, rare,
3: I really would say anything that provocative.
2: You know? No, I think I think it's very, I mean, I, I, I really enjoy kind of, I, like yeah. I said, I, I followed on Tumblr and I mm-hmm. read the essays, come up, I read them, but then I went back and kind mm-hmm. of like, Went through and I was like, God, ah, this is really good stuff. I mean, this yeah. is some of the best stuff like that. Oh, I'm seeing writing in well, in I'm the trying to, community,
3: I know? am trying to stake out a territory, an argument mm-hmm. to make an argument about a certain kind of photography. But I, it doesn't mean that I don't love and look at other many, many other mm-hmm. kinds. It's just like there's a kind that I seem to be getting and understanding, and I, you know, like I'm thinking through this, and that's kind of yeah. what I want to talk about.
2: So what's what's next for TIS? What's uh, what's on the agenda? Give us a little, give us a little, uh, give us a little preview.
0: Um, just from like sort of a selling standpoint, I'm going to London, uh, on the 20th oh, yeah. of this month for the off print book fair. That's uh-huh. part of like the kind of the sort of book fair circuit, um, that we've, that we've been a part of. Um, but as far as books go, I mean, we have to be a little tight lipped right now, but TISO 2 is a, is a huge, um, priority for us to get out relatively soon. Um, relatively soon, maybe in the next few months, but
3: uh, soon we're going to do a play uh, by a, a guy named Edgar Oliver, who's mm. another of those sort of Manhattan legends. And uh, I met him and uh, the play is about Prospect Park and I would made some pictures there. So it's not a photo book. There may be four mm-hmm. or five pictures, but it's really all about the play. And cool. I'm, I'm super excited because I, I love the play. So I think we have a literary bent. We're not going to beat, we're not, you know, but now we've got, a, we've got a poetry book already. We'll have a play, but yeah. it'll always be based on photography. But
2: mm. yeah. yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Carl. Yeah, I think that's...
3: I'm remodeling a house.
2: (laughs) 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 That's important. Raising two beautiful kids. Make
4: a project out of it. Yeah, Yeah. it's It's a a But uh, yeah, no, TISO2 is what we really want to focus on.
0: Cool. I mean, we have a few artists that Mm -hmm. we're in conversation with, but um, we're definitely not at liberty to sort of open that open that door yet to the public. Well, that's
2: why people have to start following.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely,
2: <laughs> Well, sure. I, there
3: is one little wish that's more of a general wish mm-hmm. that I, I know Nelson shares with me is that we think that there's people from the 60s and 70s and 80s who don't have a proper, like, reference book or any, you know, that um, I would love to get back. There's a guy named Roger, Roger Merton who I love mm-hmm. or Len Gensel or, you know, a, a professor of our named Mary Fry. Amazing, amazing, amazing pictures that we would really love to,
0: you know, get that kind of stuff out. I mean, there's amazing. also... Besides the, um, there are also people like contemporary that I feel like we'd also love to publish. Mm-hmm. I, I've I said this before, um, whether I think we were like doing a, a sort of artist talk or something. But for me, part of TIS was this uh, DIY punk ethos of wanting to be able to support the people that are also around you that you believe in. So um, you know, the same way that Discord, owned by Ian Mackay, like mm. put out his own records, but his, you know, records of friends, you know, um, that type of a deal. Uh, you know, same thing with um, Greg Yin putting out uh, his own records of Black Flag with SST, but then also putting out The Descendants. You know, for me, it's, I want to be able to do that. I also want to be able to create this sort of, like, community and ecosystem and and also put out books that that, that I feel like should be seen by, by contemporaries that may not have that opportunity. so. But that's, mm-hmm. I feel like, a little bit more down the road because you know I feel like we're still, we're still trying to figure ourselves out, but that's a part of my own personal mission um, that I, I'm so happy that Carl and Tim are sort of aligned with, but they're also just conversations we need to have.
2: Brilliant, I think that's a great way to wrap it up. Guys, thank right. you so much, thank very you, inspiring. Yeah. I love what you guys are doing, I'm excited to see you know what comes next. And- We'll have to have you guys on again when
1: uh, the next round of books come All on. right, absolutely. Man. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us. You can go behind the scenes of this episode, see the work of our guests, and the photos we discussed by visiting our Tumblr and lpvshow.com. If you'd like to support the production of the show, this year we are offering a subscription for $20. As a subscriber, you will get exclusive access to our weekly email newsletter, which will contain a bonus conversation about some of the interesting stories we find on the web. Also, at the end of the year, we'll be raffling off three awesome photo books exclusively to our subscribers. We appreciate your support and hope you continue to enjoy the show. If you have any questions, please feel free to send them to info@lpvshow.com or connect with us on Twitter at LPVshow. The LPV Show is executive produced by Brian Formals and Tom Starkweather. Our score is by Tom Starkweather, who also mixes the show. Special thanks to Eddie Vellante and Brett A. Davis. Thanks for listening.